Hello everyone, welcome to What is Covenants, Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Dave Clay. Indeed, there is a difference between, between get my words out of my mouth, between prostate and prostrate. I always think I have it. I always think I have it in my mind. Remove the R when you're talking about falling headfirst, so to speak, onto the ground, face to the earth, paying homage and due respect. Really, in some ways, just conceding your inadequacy in the presence of I would want to believe only one situation would dictate or warrant that sort of behavior. That would be the presence of God. But I suppose people could (laughs) grovel. That's an easier one for me to keep in mind, that word, because it's not spelled exactly the same with the exception of the missing R when it comes to prostate and prostrate. Prostrate is a gland. I think I have it. I thought I had it on the last podcast. We were saying all these things. It was coming out of my mouth. Falling out of my mouth. I felt the, as they say, anointing. And it's hard not to take anything away from... Difficult. Not to take anything away from the authenticity, genuineness, the legitimacy, the credibility... Of that anointing and the words that were coming out when instead of prostate, I talk about prostrate. So I I have to do that, whether it's for your benefit or my benefit, uh, I just have to. And it's, I suppose, okay to laugh at it as well because it's a little foolish. But I'm hoping that, albeit I found it necessary to, he excuses himself, accuses himself as the old saying, I found it necessary to bring it up at the beginning of today's podcast, but I did want to make some restitution or do some restitution uh, for that obvious faux pas last podcast. But if you can get past that, I still think it was anointed. And in that same spirit, I would want to believe today's podcast would have the same anointing and hopefully I will not have to uh, use the word prostate. And if I should, you would think by now I would remember, remove the R, otherwise you're talking about a gland. But I would like to go back to Samuel, where we were last week, and particularly 1 Samuel chapter 10, and I'm going to begin with the, uh, let's see, I believe it's the last verse. It's actually not the last verse. It's verse 16. And Saul said unto his uncle, He told us plainly that the asses were found, but of the matter of the kingdom of which Samuel spoke, he told him not. Now we know who Saul, S-A-U-L, is in the Bible. Is, I suppose, the first king. I mean, obviously, he's the first king, but there probably are others in biblical context, judges, for sure. 
that was in that sort of role of guidance and leadership and judgment and all those things. But they were always picked of God. Uh, Saul was picked or chosen of God, but in addition to all the others having been picked or chosen of God, it was God's idea. This, however, was not God's idea. The people wanted a king. And with that, God conceded. There was good reason that the people wanted a king. Uh, first, it was <laughs> in context, right? Context to Samuel, it was Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. Hophni and Phinehas? Phinehas? Hophni and Phinehas? But when it came to then Samuel, it was also his sons. <laughs> who were not doing what they were supposed to do in the position they were placed, as within that context of judging the people. And in particular, although Eli's sons were of the spiritual priesthood, uh, Samuel, coming from that same vein, however, with his sons, conferred unto them this judgment, but in the same way, they were both sets of children, offspring, uh, were not of their father, either Eli or Samuel, or of God, Belel. And Belel in the Old Testament is Satan or the devil. And thus, the people in both instances were very distraught. Now, in the first instance with Eli, Samuel is the example of where God went out of that direct genetical, I guess, genetics, genetics, genetical, that's the word, lineage sort of orientation, and uh, therein Samuel was grafted in. It wasn't that he was not of the right either ancestry or the right sort of descent, <laughs> that same sort of family, but or at least of the priesthood. But what it does mean, however, is that it's not only always the genetics <laughs> directly, and it also means that even in genetics, in physiological or physical terms, you can't count on your kids being exactly what you are, and even when it comes to the Lord, because the devil has the way of getting in there and dividing even such fathers and offspring, in this case, or these cases, these examples, sons. And he not only did it with Eli, and Samuel had to be grafted in in that sort of dimension, but that was how God fixed the problem. Eli's sons were lying, cheating, and stealing. Uh, I've used the phrase or terms fleecing the flock, uh, stealing from the people when they came to make their offerings, and such too were Samuel's boys in that they were judging uh, with favoritism and 
<laughs> who would happen to be at the top of the list when it comes to favorites for them themselves. And the people were rightly indignant and angry. Whether you see that, once again, more in spiritual, and that may be a bit of an artificial distinction that I'm making, possibly so for the sake of the podcast. But I think it has, even beyond that, more general application, authentic truth sort of application. Uh, Both the spiritual as well as the more political was failing the people. And in this... Instead of allowing God to bring his answer forth and to do what God has always done and always did to that point in history that we're reading from today, the times of Samuel and the Hebrew people, God always has an answer, but it's not the one that we think and it's not in the manner that we believe that the answer either should come, proceed, or in that, in its procession, the way it should work. And that's really verse 16, 1 Samuel 10, verse 16. And Saul said unto his uncle, he told us plainly that the asses were found, but of the matter of the kingdom of which Samuel spoke, he told him not. Son of Kish. So his uncle was a brother to Kish. And within that context, then Saul, who at this particular moment or point had already been anointed to be king, had been picked and chosen of God, which God was providing or supplying an answer. But it was the people that insisted God do it a particular way, supposed then that God did that with some grace and mercy and benevolence as if he doesn't do that all the time. We think it's going to be again done this way. We want it done that way. We want it done according to what we believe to be the best remedy and answer or Clearly, our answers don't, can't take into consideration all the factors. We're very limited in terms of what, at any particular moment, we might be aware of. We have a limited time on the earth, so our experiences are very limited, even empirically so, in tangible experiential terms. And with that, we're very short-sighted and very narrow-minded. And, I should add, we want the answer now. We don't want the answer as in it's here, but it's going to take a while to really come to total fruition. Think of Jesus. And with that, we want our salvation now. We want it fixed now. We don't want to have to go through all of the delays. We want instant gratification. Maybe that is part of, if not central to, human iniquity. Not all all those other things I mentioned, but we want the answer now. And though we might ask God... Or at least recognize some of these things in intellectual terms. We're still looking to get around all of that and believing that somehow we could circumvent all of that growing, all of that maturing, all of that developmental, all of the wisdom, the sanctification dimensions that time and in physical space affords us. 
We don't want to go through the pains. We don't want to go through the struggles. We just want the answer now. (laughs) And thus, that was the people. That was where Samuel was at. That's where Saul was at. And that's what Saul was telling his uncle. This all started when we lost the asses. The two. And we needed them. And I went looking for them. I'm speaking for Saul. And I could not find them. So I did the next best thing. Or the best thing I could think of. I looked everywhere. No one knew where the asses were. So I went to the wisest person entity I knew of, which was Samuel, recognizing he was a holy man, and possibly because of such, because of his prophetic, (laughs) judgmental, in a good sort of way, judgmental, uh, acuities, attributes, skills, uh, he could possibly give me the answer if I just got an audience with him and could ask him. Now that's right. And though Samuel was human, he was the closest thing to Jesus that we had in the Old Testament, would have had in the Old Testament, or did have in the Old Testament. And he had a direct conversation going with God. And so, even as such, Samuel was crafted in. Samuel was necessary to foster and facilitate this communication with God while the Hebrew people were in those trials of maturing and maturity and growth and sanctification and development. They were not finished. It was not time for Jesus to come, which to me is sort of a sentinel milestone for the Hebrew people because at least one of them... Jesus had arrived at a point where he could be then, as in that dimension of the Christ, he could take on that mantle of the Christ and fix both what was yet unfinished and you could see it as broken. I don't know that it was broken. It was just unfinished in spiritual context. Eli context, as I tried to make that distinction earlier in the podcast, but also Samuel context, which was more combination of the spiritual and the political, uh, the judicial sort of element. But even so, it was not a finished work there. And what kingdom would then Samuel have told Saul of that the uncle was asking? I don't even know if he really understood that there was a kingdom. He was just asking about the donkeys. And what were the donkeys? I'm sure that the donkeys in some ways represented service. I'm sure it was transactional. I don't know that the donkeys were mistreated. I don't know that they were not considered to be important or significant. Maybe they were very significant. They were beasts of burden, as they've been called, the euphemism. Uh, Another way of describing (laughs) those animals that serve us so well, humans. And they were, in that same way, probably prized possessions. They were gone. They were missing. And that meant that whatever service they provided, 
<laughs> it's like maybe the donkeys represent what I'm talking about. Maybe it represents that missing dimension of the spiritual, the missing dimension of the political, judicial, the more material, humanistic side, as well as the more spiritual side. I don't know. That may be a reach. But Saul was after them. But I don't know that he even understood the kingdom, even at this point, though he had been told what the kingdom was and had received his anointing or the anointing of Samuel, as was instruction of God, to be this king that the people wanted, even though they were wanting it quickly, they were wanting a quick fix to a problem that was really not yet even a problem. It just wasn't finished work yet. But they were wanting to be mature and grown up. And they were wanting to have all of their issues in life, all their material struggles in life with all the conflicts with the other kings and the other kingdoms and the other peoples and the other tribes. Have all those resolved? They wanted to have what was necessary to eat and sleep. And I would want to believe, still aspirationally so possibly, a perfect society, a perfect safe place to habitate, to live, to bring up your children. All those things that we used to aspirationally aspire to, I would want to believe that's what they wanted. And they saw the king as that answer. Quick fix. He's going to fix this. And I suppose if you make that extrapolation that if God should choose him, then he's going to be the one. But he wasn't the one. They were wrong in demanding that one of God. God should dictate. They shouldn't demand. It's okay to ask, I suppose. Nothing wrong. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So you have to ask, seek it out, to look for it. You have not because you ask not. That's another one of those biblical references that kind of goes along with. It's all right to ask, but you should listen. And definitely, as you ask, you're showing prostate. (laughs) I didn't know it was coming up again, but it did. Prostate. You're showing do humble humility. Humbleness? Humility to God. Deference to God. And not only like, oh, well, I've got to do this so I can get what I want. I'll tell you what you want to hear, God, so I can get what I want. I'm going to give you lip service, God. So No, you want your heart to really genuinely recognize the best answer is going to come from the best motive, which is going to come from the best we have source of love in this world, and that's God. God is love. His intentions would be to care for us. He is beyond selfishness. He's not going to get Eli's boys or Samuel's boys, as we called them last podcast. We're not going to get this Belel. Belel. We're not going to get that dimension to it. We're not going to get this jealousy we're not going to get this transactional sort of we're going to get unconditional positive regard intention love but only from god as measured then with that degree of sacrifice servant 
master to the dimension. God's the same way Jesus is. We serve him, but we should serve him in the same way Jesus does. But if we all served God and each other in that way, we would have fulfilled the two great commandments and the world would be that place. That I'm hoping that they were aspirational. We too, to today, to this day, today, should be aspirational. The peace that passeth all understanding. The Hebrew, the, the seventh day, Sabbath day rest. That's what we need to also live in. The other six days are going to continue to happen. You're just looking to the seventh day rest. But as with Hebrews 4, you can enter into that even while the other six are happening. Six are taking place because it is all about creativity. But it's not in such a way that you have to do all of this work transactionally, to get to this reward. God says you can do both, but you have to do both. You cannot skip the work part and just live in the rest part. That's probably a very profound statement. Maybe it's specific to the time and place we're in culturally now. Maybe it's to you specifically who's listening to the podcast. Maybe it's to somebody you know, but you have to continue to be part of the creative dynamic in the material dimension, which requires loss and sacrifice and servitude and taking care. Who am I? My brother's keeper? Yes, you are. It's part of the journey. It's part of your sanctification. It builds virtue and character in you. What is the virtue and character? It is the example of Christ. We're to emulate Jesus. That's what we're working toward. Not ourselves. But even as the Apostle Paul said, when you were a child, when he was a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. The Hebrew people at the time of Samuel, in more majority terms, including Saul, were kids, children. They were still selfish. They were not mature. Samuel had an element of maturity. I don't know that it was pseudo-maturity. I'm not sure, though, he was exactly either a man for his time in the sense that Jesus was yet to come, the Savior, the Christ. Samuel could not be that because of the immaturity, possibly, again, not only culturally and the Hebrew people in general, but himself But when Jesus came, the time was finished for that. There was a time logistically we were prepared, at least in minimal terms, the Hebrew people were, to receive the Christ, which was a demarcation in some ways between the childishness, the selfishness, and the adult. Did everybody get on board at that moment? No, Jesus has yet to come again. That's probably the finish. Maybe I should say that's when Jesus came the first time, the advent of Christ, the Christ. That was the beginning of the finishing of the work. But it's still not finished. And there's still some in immaturity. And certainly there will always be children who in a material dimension that will always have that. But thank God for innocence. And thank God that there is an age of accountability up to which then for the sake of uh, one's own personal salvation, you can be covered with that. But still, even in that, even in a lifetime, even though in a general sort of way, 
all of us aren't mature. Some of us will never arrive. Some of us will just reject that example of perfection, completion that is Jesus, what we are to be in our maturity as humans. I'm just still talking humanity here. But we are also not only then covered in some innocence until we get to that point, but God also affords us then his Holy Spirit to, to help us and assist us along the way, lest we are of our father of Belial and have totally said, not for me, I am just going to get what I can from this world in the time I'm in right now, instant gratification, get me the fix, help me to feel better, all of those things that we know go with serving the lust of the flesh and in that the selfishness that once more got... <laughs> Eli and Samuel's kids in trouble and was a definitive, at this moment in Hebrew history, a definitive sort of recognition of the inadequacies of both where they were spiritually as well as geopolitically, judiciously, culturally. It was a mouthful. But it's important, and I tried to do that in as brief and succinct a fashion as possible so I don't wear you out with too long of a podcast. But the uncle didn't care about any of this stuff. He was just wherever he was, and we don't know much about him. At least I don't know that I know much about him. I know I don't know much about him, but that we might know more than, about him than what is just here in this one first. But we do more, know more about Saul, and we do recognize then that something had been told to Saul by Samuel that he could not tell his uncle, perchance because of all of these things I've gotten just gotten through saying here on the podcast or reflecting upon here on the podcast today. But we're going to go back (laughs) to verse 1. Then Samuel, still 1 Samuel 10, took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? It's a question. A question. When thou art departed from me today, then thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulcher in the border of Benjamin as Zelza, and they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found. And lo, thy father have left the care of the asses and sorroweth for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? Then shalt thou go on forward from there, and thou shalt come to the oak of Tabor. And there shall meet thee three men going up to God to Bethel. One carrying three kids, and another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. And they will greet thee and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands." After that, thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the mountain or hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass when thou art come there to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with the psaltery and the timbrel and the flute and the harp before them, and they shall prophesy. 
And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou shalt do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. And that shall go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings, and to sacrifice offerings, sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry, till I come to thee, and show thee what thou shalt do. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came there to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it came to pass when all that knew him previously saw that... Behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And one of the same place answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? And when he had ceased prophesying, he came to the high place And Saul's uncle said unto him and to his servants, Where went ye? And he said, To seek the asses. And when we saw that there were nowhere, or they were nowhere, we came to Samuel. And Saul's uncle said, Tell me, I pray thee, what Samuel said unto you. And here we get back to verse 16. And Saul said unto his uncle, He told us plainly that the asses were found, but of the matter of the kingdom... Of which Samuel spoke, he told him not. Now Samuel had already told Saul about his being king. So you could say, well, that's the kingdom that Samuel spoke of. Verse 16. I don't think that was the only kingdom. I do believe that was in that judicial, cultural, societal, political, geopolitical sort of way, material sort of way, carnal sort of way, just as they are of the Old Testament, their thoughts and mentalities were coming to being refined. (laughs) I don't know what the word is. Where they were coming to some fruition of understanding in human regard, they were beginning to understand, oh, that's what it's supposed to be like. That's what it's supposed to look like. This is what we're supposed to be acting like one and to another. God had made that clear. And and with that, there are those commandments. And with that, there are those instructions. And with that, there are all those sacrifices and atonements. And with that, you shouldn't murder one another. And with that, you should honor the two great commandments. Honor God, prostate before God. Even unto your death, that's an act of being prostate. That's an act of humbleness, humility. That's an act of servitude into my, unto my last dying breath, physically. Let me give my life unto you, God. 
Let me serve you, God. Let me serve my fellow human being, God. Let me go to that cross that is set before me, not as a shame, not as a defeat, not as a failure, but as in that the ultimate demonstration of the power, the motive of love that has saved and redeemed me, that I might do that in the name of Jesus. Jesus by the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit so that I too may enter into his ministry so that I may too then receive this gift of resurrection and the understanding that that work of the flesh in the material dimension, the six days heretofore spoken of are not going to be removed from any human being. It's just part of the plan. It's part of creativity and human dimension. Your dying to that motive is not evil. That is not Bilal. It's Bilal that doesn't want you to die. It's Bilal that says, well, if you have got to, then eat, drink, and be merry now. It's Bilal that would say, what good is any of this? Because you're still going to die. And in that, then the thing that matters the most, the thing that is most imminently of need to you now, the lusts of your flesh, the thing you want fixed now, take this pain away from me. I don't want this suffering. I don't want any of the servitude if it's got suffering attached to it. I certainly don't want to see myself in Jesus. I want to emulate Christ. I want to be the king. I want to be in that right hand, left hand of God or the right or left hand to the right or left hand of Jesus. I want to be this leader, but I don't want to do it the Jesus way. And I don't want to do it the God way. But that's really what Samuel was revealing unto Saul. Saul caught the kingdom stuff. Saul caught the king stuff. I'm not sure he was comfortable with that. I know he wasn't. Hopefully before the podcast is over, I'll read a bit more out of the word to just emphasize that point. But if we need an answer, if we need these two asses, going back to that metaphor, if we need to put these two together, if they need to be identified and found We've got the one, we may have the two now, but we don't understand how they rightly fit together. Samuel was the best epitome of how, to both, how both rightly fitted together. He then served in judgment, not a bad judgment, again, not a critical or evil judgment, a Solomon sort of judgment. He served, and Solomon had yet to come, but he served in that way with that still that idea in mind that were not quite yet to the Solomon kingdom. But they were beginning to be aware, this is it. This is the thing that we need. This is the thing. But, and that's not evil. It's logistics. That's what God wants. That kingdom of God on earth, in earth, is important. We need to do everything we can to cooperate with God to bring that about. But you're not going to do that unless you have a changed heart. Samuel had that heart 
whether he was a man after God's own heart. doesn't say that specifically, but I think he's probably in that sort of way Moses or in that sort of way that David, he was. And for a very brief period of time, Saul too was a man after God's heart. But it wasn't because Saul, Samuel, Moses, Abraham, Adam, even Jesus as was Jesus the man, but as the Christ, he not only was a man after God's own heart, but he was the heart of God. None of those that had gone before Jesus, and really have come since Jesus, has that capability. And until Jesus comes again, the work isn't going to be totally finished. Because humanity will not be finished. I, for one, believe that the new creation, the new creature we have in Christ, to be able to be in Christ now, even in our continued human state, will one day be transformed, transfigured into something completely different. There won't be humans. Now, that's my personal opinion. It doesn't say that in scripture. I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with me on that. I know a lot of people are looking very forward to meeting their family members in heaven by human description. Human terms. I believe they will know as they are known. I don't doubt that. I just don't know that heaven needs another human or human dimension to corrupt it. Otherwise, we're still going to be transactional. Otherwise, we're still going to be aspirational only to the kingdom that Solomon presented in very tangible, literal terms until he fell into his state of apostasy because it's not sustainable in human dimension. That's my point. You need a new heart. Jesus was not only a person, a man after God's own heart, he was God's heart in the flesh. That's the difference. Saul was given a new heart, but he wasn't Jesus. I prefer to think there was still work to be done, God's work, not ours, to bring all of humanity to a place where then we too could receive the heart of God and abide in it, in Jesus the Christ, in that same way until Jesus comes again. And then for those of us who accept Jesus and serve God, even unto being ultimately prostate, <laughs> head, not only face, not only in the dust, but return to the dust so that we might be liberated from the corruption of the material dimension. We won't have to go through all of that when Jesus comes, or as would then the second time. The white throne judgment would still need to be sort of accomplished. God would accomplish it. But we would have that work accomplished in us already. It's not our work, it's God's. But that's the promise. There is work, there's six days of work. God said that in Genesis, or at least Moses put it in Genesis. Uh, Told it to us in the book of Genesis. And with that then, on the seventh day, he rested. But we need to understand, as with the Hebrew 4, I believe most think that to be the Apostle Paul that wrote that, The Hebrew 4, Sabbath day rest, is an eternal one. 
Because at that point, in Jesus, and again, Paul was writing to the Hebrews. They had yet, some had yet to get it. Some were getting it. That's how it works, though, in time and space. It's not instant gratification. You're instantly saved because you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. But in the flesh, in material terms, it still has to be worked out. I'm sorry. That's just the laws of the material dimension. It is the kingdom of God in that way. But what Samuel had shown Saul in terms of the kingdom, but of the matter of the kingdom of which Samuel spoke, he told him not. Now, I need to say this too. In the Bible that I'm reading from, kingdom is not with a capital K. So maybe it was just a material kingdom, but definitely what Samuel was speaking to and prophesying was not material. It is the spiritual kingdom. And I could preach that sermon today and have just as much relevance and power as it did when Samuel was preaching it back then in Saul's time. And it is the very same steps. Then Samuel took out a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said... Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? Folks, he's not just speaking to Saul. God's speaking to you. You are chosen. You are picked by God. You have chosen to receive the anointing. The Holy Spirit is being poured forth out upon you. I don't know that it's Samuel. Could be Samuel is doing it. I think Samuel was an example in human dimension of the Christ. Prefigurement, some call it. Some sort of foreshadowing of the Christ to come. He wasn't the Christ. But in the moment that we're reading of, that this passage gives us revelation, insight, awareness, insight into, awareness of, with insight into, it is Jesus. We might as well think of it, if I could ask you to, think of it as Jesus, not just Samuel. When thou art departed from me today, then thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulcher, in the border of Benjamin, Azelzah. And they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found. And lo, thy father hath left the care of the asses, and sorroweth for you, saying, What shall I do for my son? In the, in the Garden of Eden, according to Moses, there were two. There was the tree of life, and then there was the serpent. And maybe then that is the problem, It's not that either of those can't coexist in the garden. It's just that the serpent, Belel, which is the devil, the selfish motive, it's going to exist in you. You're going to have the lust of the flesh. But you need to recognize without the sanctification of the tree of life, without Jesus, without the word, and even in that, there is... 
two words. There is the Old Testament and the New. There is the kingdom of God for sanctification until you get to the place of accountability where you begin to realize, oh, wait a minute. I'm not going to just be able to put this on and act this way. I'm not going to be able to just make this happen out of my flesh. I need a new heart. I need salvation in Jesus. I need reconciliation. If you don't get to that point, or as you would approach that point, you're still going to have the lust of flesh, but you're going to be tempted in the way that Adam and Eve were, in the way that the devil, through the serpent, tempted Adam and Eve. And with that, then they went through the growing pains, if I might call it that, of learning the hard way. You need... A new heart. You need the heart of God. You need not only to be a person after God's own heart with aspiration out of a material sort of aspiration or motive. You need a changed heart that only Jesus the Christ can supply you. But it takes your willingness to lay down all of that lust of the flesh the selfishness, the self-service that brings with it then all of your damnation. And it's not that you don't need those things, but that God's going to supply them. But should those things not seemingly come as quickly as you want them, the things of the material needs of life, the food, the safety, the shelter, all of the lusts that are humanistic, are of our human construction, which God made us the way we are, you just have to delay your gratification a bit and let God bring it to you in proper order and time. Selfishness and immaturity go hand in hand. We can't fault Adam and Eve for being immature. They were. Look at all that took place from that point on to even the time that we're reading of in Scripture today and into the time or unto and until the time of Jesus' second coming. We're still laboring with immaturity. But in Christ, the work is done. In Christ, he'll cover us even when we still seem to on occasions false way to those temptations, but we don't need to live there and we need to understand it is better to seek the advice of God, to seek the anointing of God, to operate in the Holy Spirit, the vial of the oil. If we're going to rightly inherit the kingdom of God in material dimension, if we have any aspiration or hope that that's going to come to pass, we have to understand the kingdom of heaven. We had to put the two asses, the two worlds together. We have to put the Old Testament into proper context of the new. We can't put the new into the old wineskins of, or the, well, I guess it's old wineskins, the new oil or the new wine into the old wineskins of the Old Testament. It won't work because until you die to that, You're serving yourself, and you take up your mantle, you take up your cross, and you follow after Christ, 
so that he then can take you through that. He can take you and help you to overcome that. He is there every step of the way with you while you <laughs> endure that. He's giving his Holy Spirit or he is given unto you again the Holy Spirit, which is the, his spirit, the Christ spirit. He's returned that, restored that to proper preeminence in your life to not only lead you and guide you because now you can see it with clarity because you're not scared out of your mind. And you're not so reactive. He'll comfort you along the way. You'll get through it. You'll grow up. You'll mature. You can't cut corners. It's all part of God's building the virtue and the character so that he might save all that could be saved until Jesus comes again. But don't think that the kingdom of God, any more than you think humanity, is of such special significance or preeminence or prominence that God will not remove it. It's going to pass because it's no longer going to be necessary when we are ushered into the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. But you can enjoy that now, even while you're in your flesh, so that when that day comes that Jesus comes the second time, or you go on to be with the Lord, still awaiting his second coming, Jesus the Christ, you'll have safe passage. <laughs> you won't sweat it. You'll be translated as Enoch was. More so, you'll be transfigured as Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is about you folks. It isn't just about Saul. This isn't just Samuel. The father is still the father. It's the father is God. Samuel could be the prefigurement of Jesus. I don't think that's wrong. I don't think that's heretical to say that. I want to be, if I can be, as much Christ-like as possible. And I don't want to pretend like I'm Jesus, the Christ. But I have the Christ alive in me. And if somebody sees Christ in me, alive in me, and can then rightly discern that, well, yeah. But it's in the body of Dave, which is corrupted. It is of mortality and is going to have to continue to humble himself, lay down his life for the sake of the cross, for the sake of God, for the ministry of reconciliation, casting aside those weights that so easily beset him, they begin to understand that, then they're not going to follow Dave. They're going to follow Jesus, who is the Christ. But it's okay if he comes out of me, and it's okay if he comes out of you. You are manifestation of the kingdom. Do it to the best of your abilities, prostate before God, to glorify God. Not of yourself, because in humanity you are going to fail. Because your humanity is only sanctified when you know how to seek Jesus and the covering, the cloak of righteousness he affords. It's forgiveness. It's grace and mercy. That's as much a part of the anointing as Actually, oil is, or as we would say, the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the anointing. Then shalt thou go on forward from there, and thou shalt come to the oak of Tabor. And there shall meet thee three men going up to God to Bethel. One carrying three kids, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. 
and they will greet thee and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands. Okay. Again, thank you. <laughs> give me a bit of liberty. So, there is the Mount of Transfiguration. There is the Mount Top that Elijah met with God and the angel of the Lord. And then there is the mountain top that Moses met with God, received the Ten Commandments, and shown the glory of the Lord as he passed by. <laughs> Moses was hidden in the cleft of the rock. And that's possibly for another podcast, although I've mentioned that, not only alluded to that, but spoken of that. If you follow the progression of that, Moses was probably of the three the most yet unfinished and right for the Old Testament, for his time. Perfect in his season, generations, even as Noah was with the ark. And then Elijah comes along and has a little more. Not only is he good for the Old Testament, as Moses established him, but Elijah had the earthquake, wind, and fire experience, and all of a sudden, the voice started to emanate from within him. And that was probably the first evidence of the Holy Spirit then residing, not externally, putting on or being a man after God's own heart, but being one with God in heart. And even with Elijah, he was prostate. I have failed you, God! He got depressed. There was a bit of self-judgment, self-righteousness, but he felt bad that he had defeated Jezebel. The Belial was still out there. Ahab and Jezebel were still operating. And he thought with the fire coming down from heaven, defeating the prophets of Baal, that that was going to be the ultimate victory. Little did he realize the ultimate victory was yet to come because he wasn't to be the Christ. But when you come to that realization, that's not bad. That's prostate before God. That's receiving bread and water, water, as with ministry, from the angel of the Lord before you even have an audience with God. That's significant, I'm sure. The imagery, the, the embedded messaging in that. But the earthquake, wind, and fire was even more Elijah dying to himself. But just remember, Elijah did not taste death in that way that Moses did. And though Moses' bones were preserved, and I am sure that he is of the resurrection of Christ. But Elijah, it's not only in your genetics, in, in your material, physical. Elijah actually was taken up as a whirlwind of fire. Enoch was translated, which is probably this covering of Old Testament Elijah was transfigured in some dimension as even the Mount of Transfiguration might capture it even more so because on the Mount of Transfiguration we see Jesus as in physical and <laughs> turned to spirit. But who was up there? Three men. Moses, Elijah, and then the ultimate, the arrival of perfection. The arrival of the completion of the work. Finally, a tangible representation in material dimension of God having found, having given unto his son, 
really the only one that God has a right to claim until we are in that cloak of righteousness, until we are in the covering of Christ, until we are saved and redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, until we are otherwise receiving of Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Jesus is the Christ. We enter into rightful communion as the apostle paul would would challenge us don't unworthily take communion or say that you're taking communion with jesus if you're not willing to do these things these things and even greater jesus said peter feed my sheep if you're going to feed my sheep you're going to have to stretch forth your hands and they're going to lead you your act of servitude your servant's heart your desire to serve me to serve righteousness in the anointing of the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to your ultimate demise. That's okay. Because really it isn't your death, it's your cleansing. The ultimate cleansing, it's your release. But be humble in pursuit of that. How many times? Three times. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? And of course, it wasn't redundancy. It wasn't just to get it through Peter's thick skull, as the saying goes, head. It was so that it could be established, but that Peter needed to really understand. It's not going to come from you. You can't cut off the ear of Malchus. Or you'll end up denying me. And that's apostasy. And apostasy can lead to (laughs) the unpardonable sin, which is... Uh, I can't do this. Not going to happen. Not in me. None of this is real. None of this is true. It's a good story. Again, might be aspirational. Might even want to chase after it because it just inspires me to keep going. No. You need the power to keep going. Three men. Could be Moses, Elijah, Jesus. Could be the Mount of Transfiguration. Could be going up to God to Bethel on the mountaintop. Could be that at the same time, we have time and space, but at the same time, there is no such thing as time and space. It could be that that's going on right now. All of that. All of that. It could be on the same mountaintop that Moses was, there was Elijah and Jesus. He just didn't realize it because he couldn't see it. He couldn't operate in it because he did not have the heart of God or the empowerment or the anointing yet because he could not receive it. His flesh could not endure it because it meant he had to die. He hid in the cliff of the rock because he had to die. He couldn't do it. His flesh couldn't do it. But God made a way for him, covering. It's Old Testament stuff. But Elijah could see it a little bit better because he could see it a little bit better. He wasn't really required. Or he didn't experience death in that same sort of dimension. He went on up to be with the Lord as in a whirlwind of fire, which I think is kind of closer to transfiguration. Might be the step before the light. You know, carbon-based fire, humans. (laughs) Really, when you lay in the ground, that's how you decompose. It's fire. It's heat. It's that process of ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But you don't really count on that being the end. The end is Christ and the Mount of Transfiguration. 
But that could have all been going on at the same time. Elijah was up there. <laughs> he could see a bit more of it. There was the angel of the Lord. Oh, I see him. I don't know that he could see Moses. Maybe he moved on. Maybe we moved on. But he could at least see God in that. It could be John the, the Baptist. <laughs> the, the same voice that was emanating. This is my son with whom I'm well pleased. That was speaking in the River Jordan. As John would baptize Christ, maybe that's the voice that Peter, James, and John, not the same John, but John the Revelator heard on the Mount of Transfiguration. Get this, folks. We are bound to time and space because the human apparatus can't comprehend any more than that, but that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just means we can't comprehend it. It's going to keep you out of heaven if you don't understand that. Be prostate before God. Because these three are going to greet you. And they're going to give you two loaves of bread. And it could be Old Testament, New Testament. It could be the two great commandments. <laughs> it could be Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I'm just saying that's how much we don't know. But that's how powerful this passage is. But I do believe God did give us two loaves and, and three fishes. It's amazing, folks. When you start allowing the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you, it's incredible what God will do. But if that's the case then I think we need to listen. And that's all that Samuel wanted Saul to do. Let's listen, Saul. You did the right thing. <laughs> you sought guidance on the, the two asses. <laughs> you knew you needed them. You just don't know what they were. You couldn't see them for everything that they were. We tried on the podcast today to discuss them. But Saul, in your innocence, <laughs> you knew you needed them and you came to the right place. You came to Jesus. You came to Samuel. You came to Jesus, and he began to show you. So you did that. You were asking the questions. You were seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness so that all these things may be added unto you. You don't need to chase after all the material stuff, Saul. But he was immature, and he wasn't Christ. And they will greet thee and give thee two loaves of bread, which thou shalt receive of their hands. You did that right. We do that right when we receive the word. We do that right when we go to church and we share the word and we listen and we participate. After that, thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines. Now, I do not know. I've never been to the Holy Land. I only have my imagination and what I have read in Scripture. I'm sure once I get there... It won't be anything like I thought it was, but it's sort of like the movie and the book thing. I'd much prefer it to be the way that it, I imagined it in the book because nobody's going to capture that. And even if I should go see the movie, I'm going to be disappointed because it's never as good as the book, right? The movie is never as good as the book. Although a picture does paint a thousand words. But my point is this, the hill of God has to be an approach of the mountain of God. But don't be surprised that there aren't going to be Philistines and a garrison on the hill. 
And you got to get past them. It's dying to yourself. It's again all the children of Bilal who have given up, fallen into apostasy, committed the unpardonable sin, blasphemed the Holy Ghost, denied Christ, become now the Antichrist or of that son of perdition that will one day, when Jesus comes again, have its fullest of manifestations as the evil therein that it is, the Antichrist. But you got to get past that. But you can't get past that out of your own sanctification, even your own aspiration, even your own knowledge of the Word, even your own desire to be Christ-like, even if it's true, and the devil does that a lot, you're not going to die if you eat of this fruit of knowledge of good and evil. Which is true. God never intentioned to kill us. We don't die. But what he didn't tell Eve, although he told her that as a truth, was that the minute you do this, the battle is on. Because I've got then traction. Because you're going to start thinking. And the more you think, the more you're going to rely on your knowledge, your carnal knowledge, You're going to rely on your experience. The more you're going to always come to the conclusion how inadequate you are, how much of a failure you are, and all of a sudden, I am going to be able to. You're going to realize death is something that's going to happen in the flesh, but you're going to misread that. You're going to see that as God killing you because you're inadequate and inferior, or if not killing you in judgment. He's going to allow you to... No! He's going to allow you to die. No! 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 God never intentioned that. But you open the door to that. Not that you could go through life without knowledge of good and evil, but you go through life in the Word, Old Testament, knowledge of good and evil, so that you might rightly come to the moment of that age of accountability. As with the book of Malachi, it may take a little bit bit of a moment and what is time again in space nothing to God but in you and your flesh you're going to spend what might seem to be a long time having to make the decision but all you got to do make the decision is you got to receive Jesus he's in the garden oh that's why all of this has been telling me when I get here I know what to look for that's what Saul is telling, uh, what Samuel is telling Saul. Know what to look for so that you can find it when you get here. And even up to this point, Saul did what he was told to do. Don't be surprised, Saul, that you don't receive the anointing. <sighs> what Samuel couldn't tell him, Samuel didn't know, was that, or maybe he did know, maybe it's like Moses being hidden in the cleft of the rock. I don't think Saul was Elijah. He wasn't even Elisha. The mantle was passed on. And certainly he wasn't Jesus. But a man for his season. Just like again, Samuel went on to tell Saul. Gideon did that. Zerubbabel. God sent these judges. But he really is preparing you for Jesus. But he's preparing you so that when you get to that moment of going between Malachi and Matthew, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, that's where you die to yourself. You die to your will, and you come to Jesus and you accept him as Lord and Savior. 
And once you receive him, then you begin to learn of him. And you begin to learn that as with crossing into the promised land, <laughs> the Jordan River is much more hospitable. It's your baptism. It's your cleansing. But when you get over the promised land, you can't let the giants in the land, you can't let the Philistines and their garrison at the bottom of the hill keep you from getting to the mountaintop. But you're only going to get to the mountaintop if you do it in God's right way. And that's to die to yourself. You're not going to. Your ego is why you're afraid to die. Just lay it on the altar. Give it to God. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Accept that that is just part of the carnal nature. Accept that that is what the trick of the devil is as we've tried to explain it. It's the word does a much better job. Because once you get past that, you get past yourself. Everything else is, as they say, easy peasy. After that, thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass, when thou art come there to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets coming down from the high place with the psaltery, and the timbrel, and the flute, and the harp before them, and they shall prophesy. It's all book of Revelation stuff. <laughs> there are those that have a great cloud of witnesses that have gone before. There are those that are of the legion of angels of God. There is the heavenly host. <laughs> they all want to welcome you in to the kingdom of heaven. And the spirit of the Lord will come upon thee. And why wouldn't it? You're now entering into the, pra- the place, the presence of the Almighty. Because you've passed through the fire. The flaming swords. You can return to the garden. Just continue to have conversation with God. And eat of the tree of life. It's great stuff, folks. It's great stuff. Read the Bible. It's great stuff. It's truth. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. We're going to become... A new creature in Christ. We're going to be in the moments that God needs us to be. He's called us to be. We're going to be Christ. It's okay to be Christ. It's okay to allow, as we've explained it, in the Christ, in Jesus the Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the anointing of the Word, Old and New Testament, it's okay. You've passed through. You've been in the fiery furnace. And there's a fourth man. It's dancing around. You're not going to die. The dross is going to be removed. And let it be when these signs are coming to thee. That thou do as occasion. When God calls you to serve thee. For God is with thee. And he's going to prepare you as God would for the occasion. And he then, as in giving you the power you need to overcome the evil therein of the world that the Philistines represented. All the battles with others for what? For the peace, the calm, the things that we need. All these things shall be added unto thee. The things of self-preservation of life on earth. If we don't have Jesus, if we don't have the kingdom of heaven, if we don't have a new heart, then also what we're going to do is just keep fighting. 
That's what the book of Revelation is about. That's what the Antichrist is about. There's no world order. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. There is never going to be peace on earth if any season for any length of time because the iniquity that is in the human vessel in humanity, the, the urge to kill, <laughs> the blood, you, David, he knew blood. It kept him from being all that he could be. There's blood on his hands. It's in the human vessel, the human body to kill. We have to remove that. You can say, oh, well, we'll kill animals. No, we don't kill animals because now we love animals. I've always loved animals. We probably all have always loved animals. But now we're even more aware. We, we can't go around killing animals. That's not good. It's the environment. We'll just kill the environment. We'll just take, no, you can't do that. We can't kill each other, which is why God did give us the material sacrifices. It's Cain and Abel stuff. <laughs> He did give us that. There was a time and season when that was sanctified or righteousness before God, but that's long past. It's time that we grow up and become what God's called us to. When we were a child, we did childish things. As I mentioned earlier, now we're adults, we need to put away those childish things. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee to offer burnt offerings. Again, Jesus, Samuel. And a sacrifice, sacrifices of peace offerings. Again, it's the podcast is all that we've been talking about. The peace that passeth all understanding. The Sabbath day rest. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee. Saul did not understand the rest. The rest is the New Testament. The other six days are in the Old Testament. The six days of creativity are for the sake of the kingdom of God, you could say. The seventh day is the anointing of the New Testament, the anointing of the Holy Spirit alive in you that always gives you access not only to Jesus, transactionally, the Christ, but he lives in you and you can take rest in his finished work as it was finished when he finished his trial in material dimensions upon the cross. The work is yet to be finished for us, but for Jesus it's done. We will only know him as Jesus the Christ for the sake of the judgment that the book of Revelation speaks to for those that have yet to uh, either come to an awareness, to a need, acceptance of the need for Jesus and the seeking him out, or so for those that in denial of Christ, of their father Bilal, they need to go to hell. As with removed, purged from the rest of us who believe. Because they'll mess with us. And even the thousand year reign is implication. If they're around, they're going to continue to mess with us. They're going to continue to do what the devil does. Steal us from God. Try to. Don't let it happen. But Samuel was saying, this is it. But it was only it for Saul. This is what looks like Saul. You've got to do it this way. This is us. This is us. If we're going to do that work, this is us. 
And it was so, we need to wait to the word of God that Jesus speaks. We need to be Elijah on the mountaintop. We need to hear that voice. And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came there to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. Why wouldn't he? And it came to pass, he was tasting a foretaste of glory divine. And it came to pass when all that knew him previously saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets. Then the people said one to another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And one of the same place answered and said, But who is their father? And that's not a rhetorical question or only for literal sort of application as, Well, we need to discuss this. Let's ask this question. I think it is, again, an acknowledgement. We know who their father is. It's God. But in that same sort of way, they were still struggling in material dimensions looking for not only God. They thought they knew God. They thought they knew where God lived. They thought they knew they had to go up on this mountain. But they could not yet see the Christ. Because he had not yet fully been revealed unto them in the way that they all of a sudden began to realize they didn't need to look if they were living with the Father. They did not only be, need to be, and they still needed to be a person after God's own heart. You need to read the word, attend church, forsake not the assembly of the brethren, encourage each other. Effectual fervor prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. We need to pray for each other. We need to encourage one another but the gift is in you the holy spirit is in you jesus brings that again to life we said that earlier therefore it became a proverb is solomon among the prophets also among the prophets of course he is as long as he's grafted into the vine of course he is as long as god has sanctified it of course we are as long as we are of jesus we're a child of god in christ jesus but you're not if you're not in jesus you're not if you've not come to christ and admitted and confessed your sin nature and that you need a new heart and that jesus not only will show you what it looks like jesus will give you the heart of god or bring to life the heart of God that is already in you. And when he had ceased prophesying, so even as the devil might still be around you, <laughs> Phalel, you won't fall into temptation, or at least not to the extent that you'll fall into apostasy, at least not to the extent that you would blaspheme the Holy Ghost. And he came to the, and when he had ceased prophesying, he came to the high place. And it may have been on the mountaintop. It may have just been in, again, spiritual dimension, as we're kind of speaking of it now. And Saul's uncle then said unto him and to his servants, Where went ye? And then I read verse 16. And there's so much more. But I think I've exhausted you possibly for today and on the podcast. But what I do want to say is this, though. What I just read to you is salvation. No different then than it is now. Why would it be? God doesn't change. We do. 
We grow up, thankfully. It's part of time and space. It's part of putting on the divine nature. It's part of the logistics. It's part of reading and studying and being educated and being taught the Word of God. It's part of knowing the Old Testament just as well as you know the New Testament. Because if you don't, or if you don't recognize that testament needs to be properly placed second to the ultimate, the highest order, it can't be the Old Testament is not the finish, but the finish is in Jesus, just so that we will not get hung up there and stop with just the Old Testament. Or in getting there, we have to become hypocrites of some sorts, even like the Sadducees and Pharisees of Jesus' time. Whitewash sepulchers. We don't want to do that. Because it'll end up in not only our own destruction, we don't want to do that for the sake of others. But when you begin to realize, though, that it's not finished and you're wanting more and you understand it's got to come out of something more than you, that was Saul's problem. And if we had time on the podcast, which you're glad we don't, I'm sure, we could read about what he did wrong. He went ahead and Took him on without Samuel. He took him on. He kind of tried to bless himself. He took him on by offering up his own sacrifices, and he wasn't worthy to do that. He took him up by trying to be Jesus without the Holy Spirit anointing. He tried to be Jesus unto self-service, and even if it was for a good purpose, I want to save the people. And I'm not going to get to it. I mentioned earlier that I could read But when Saul, a little more in the Bible about Saul, when it did come time to even establish him as the king, he kind of hid out. God told Samuel. Samuel then called all the tribes, and they couldn't find Saul. Where was Saul? And it said he was hiding. I think he knew he wasn't worthy of it. But if there's anything that I can say from that with any definitive sort of word. It's that you can't fake it and hope to make it. You can't. It's better to obey than to sacrifice, right? Because that was the ultimate pronouncement of what then Samuel said because Saul, you got it in you and you don't know how how to say no to you. You're the lust of your flesh. The devil, he's in us all. You just need to know how to say no to him. And the right way is again, passing through the flaming swords. You just don't know how to be obedient and follow the word. But if you don't do it God's way, (laughs) and really that is, just allow him to do the work for you. Your work is going to be to get out of the way and resist the temptation to do it yourself your way or to face the ultimate, which is the cost. (laughs) Consider the cost of building the tower. Unless you consider that to be a privilege as the disciples did to go to the cross. And you see that as then not only service unto Jesus, but unto God. And you understand that is humbling yourself before the Lord so that he can do all of that through you. You're just going to keep getting in the way and then you're going to feel inadequate. You're going to compare yourself to Jesus. and You're going to compare yourself to everybody else. And you're going to look for the ups 
And then you're going to start judging the downs and you're going to start to forecast what's going to happen. And you're going to wear yourself out by thinking so much about answers and solutions. You're going to be looking for knowledge to be your savior. You're not going to respect the fact that knowledge is important, but it's only how you put it together and the truth that's derived or that frames it and then allows there to be then the fruit derived from the truth, the application of the knowledge that God gives us to the end of servitude. (laughs) Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. You're just going to wear yourself out and be miserable. And I don't know that that's going to keep you out of heaven, but why would you do that even if it doesn't keep you out of heaven? Don't be miserable. Rest in the Lord. It's, It's more misery to fall into to fear, falling into the hands of a righteous God who if you're not righteous before him, the glory of the Lord, you're going to have to be hidden in the cleft of the rock because you're not going to endure what that is. And what that really is, is laying down your life for others. What that really is, is the two great commandments. What that really is, is what Jesus, what will be the conclusion of that. Your life will end as Christ did. Are you ready for that? Send me, Lord. (laughs) But he also acknowledged, I think it's Isaiah. I think he also acknowledged, I believe he's the one that also acknowledged, though, I'm a man of unclean lips. Let me get this coal from the fire. He wanted to go. He just knew that he needed to be sanctified. Good news. God doesn't want to withhold that from you. Actually, he wants you to run to him. And it's not for anything but to give you the answer that you seek. And even if you don't get the specific answer, Job, that <laughs> you really want it, he'll always remind you the answer is in Jesus, the Christ. We offer that. At covenants, we want you to come. I'm going to do everything I can, even as Samuel, to remind you of this. And I'm going to be there with you as much as I'm humanly po- it is humanly possible. I'm possible in my human dimension to be with you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to back you up. I'm going to do everything I can. But we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. And we're going to do it because we believe in Christ. And we believe in the resurrection power of Jesus. And we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we believe in God because that's the answer. And 1 Samuel 10 captures that. If you want the kingdom of God, you want to see the material manifestation, let it begin with the kingdom of heaven. But it needs to be in you first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, as Jesus has said, and all these things will be added unto you. I trust that. I believe that. Of course, you can always come back to what is covenant, specialized pastoral care services, Christian counseling ministry, and we'll do the best that we can to keep it short. I can't. I can't. Sorry. As brief and succinct as possible. But I also want to make sure the message gets across. But should it be anointed, then I'm sure God's going to give you 
an, a listening ear, not just an itching ear, but a listening ear. And this is going to resonate with you. And I hope you end up the same place I always end up at the end of this podcast, kind of like a service, I guess. I miss the praise and worship team and the songs and all that. But we're just in the Word of God, and we always end up here, anointed. It's a refreshing. It's a time of refreshing. That's what I would hope the podcast would represent. And should you be at all interested in returning, then that's my invitation. If you want to, you can join us again next week. On what is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care Services Christian Counseling Ministry with Dave Clay? You can call 304-528-9220. You can catch us covenantsonline.com. You can catch us on Facebook at Covenants. You can email us covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com should you want to make it a little more personal, a little bit more direct. But until we get a chance to meet again in whatever manner, fashion, or form, I want to wish you the best. I want you to be blessed. And I also want to just say thank you.